to the Brooklyn Post Yopcast for September 9th, 2019. Featuring poet Grace Shui Liu leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. That's at 61 Bergen Street off Smith Street near the Bergen Street FG stop. For more info and to sign up, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Abby Sayer, Harvey Sauce, Anshal Kapoor, Bonnie Belay, Rita Simmons, Amber Weinstock, Todd Friedman, Julia Knobloch, Kyle Brosnahan, Candy Wolf, Jared Friend, Arthur Russell, Mike Fresentes, Jordan E. Franklin, Christina Callery, Ken Brandon, Laura Murphy, Bill Livingston, Joe Cipriano, Shara Hardison, and Kayla Schwab. And that's really all I got to say to introduce this podcast. It's pretty much the same intro every single time, except the names are a little different. Hope you like what you hear, and let's just get right to the poems. Enjoy. Okay, how's everyone doing? We are back for the open mic. It's good to see so many people here. Seems like we got an influx of a ton of people just for the open mic, which is great. Uh, sorry if you don't have a seat. There are maybe a couple of seats. I don't know if that seat is that seat free right there. Somebody sitting there. There is. Uh, I don't think. I think that's it. <laughs> so uh, you have to stand careful. I wouldn't put too much weight in that railing. We never. You never know what's going to happen, Marietta. Right. You know, you won a poetry prize this year. I don't think now is a good time to die. So uh, <laughs> please stay alive. Uh, this is the Brooklyn Poets Yop Open Mic. If you don't know me, I am Jason Koo. I am glad to be here for sure. Be weird if I wasn't. <laughs> a, couple, a couple of announcements before we begin. Uh, a lot of things happening over the course of the next week. Uh, the first thing that's happening is this Sunday, September 15th. We're really excited. We're doing our first... Uh, reading, which is part of the Brooklyn Poets Reading Series, but the first time we are collaborating with BASIC, this bar in Williamsburg that some of you probably know. It's really great because it's in my neighborhood, also in Joe's neighborhood. This is our events manager, Joe Kibri. Let's give her a round of applause. She's our new <laughs> events manager. She's got the awesome girl gang shirt. So uh, this for this event's amazing. I just fucking go down the street and I'm there. Uh, but BASIC is really cool. They have a backyard garden space, and we're going to do a uh, reading starting around 4.30, but at 3.30, Sort of like a pregame. We're gonna have a fucking barbecue. This was their idea. They're f- they're awesome. Yeah, you should you should definitely come so you can help us. You can help you can you should you can help us bring bring some marinated beef, Tim. And, and uh, so it's like a bring your own barbecue kind of thing. So you can literally you can bring your own meat if you're a vegetarian or a vegan. You can also bring those options. Uh, we're gonna have some burgers and dogs to start, but then if you wanna if you wanna cook something, <laughs> bring it up and we'll we'll throw it on there. Um, so at 3.30 we're doing that, and uh, of course BASIC will have their bar and open for more drinks and food if you want to buy something from them. And then at 4.30 we've got three great poets. Lee Herrick, one of my favorite uh, Korean-American poets, is coming all the way from fucking California. That's how, uh, that's how swagged out we are now. We're just like, we're going to fly you in, Mr. Herrick. 
And uh, E.J. Evans, a poet I'm really excited about who lives upstate, uh, whose new book called Conversations with the Horizons, uh, sorry, not the Horizons, <laughs> Conversations with the Horizons, singular. It's this amazing new book of prose poems that uh, is out with Box Turtle Press this year. So he's going to be reading. And last but not least, Julia fucking Knobloch that you all know who is here tonight. Official name, Julia Knobloch, who is literally coming up the stairs right now to enjoy this announcement. Let's give her a round of applause. She will also be reading. Yeah, this is, we're talking about your reading on Sunday. It's very exciting that Julia started, I, she didn't start writing poems with us, but it, it was as if she started with us. She won the Yawper of the Year, Yawp Poem of the Year. What year was that, 2016? 16, yeah. Yeah, you know everything. <laughs> Yawp Poem of the Year Award, 2016, and has won a Brooklyn Poets Fellowship, and now she's got this book coming out. That is actually two days before her official book launch party, which is on uh, Tuesday, September 17th. So. You might have a lot of Julia Knobloch next week, but uh, that's a good thing to have too much of. <laughs> so, but that will be Sunday, that reading, so definitely come out for that if you are interested, the Williamsburg area. Uh, the Brooklyn Book Festival is coming up the weekend after that, Sunday, September 22nd. We will be there selling all those t-shirts. We're gonna have more tote bags. We're gonna restock everything. Uh, we're making a new, remember that logo tee that we used to have that we sold out of like five years ago because I got sick of it? We are making a new one with a better shirt, I am hoping. So uh, I'm very excited to, to break that shit out. It's just the same fucking logo, man. Just a different, just a different T-shirt. I didn't like, I didn't like the T that it was printed on. That was the problem with it. <laughs> New logo. Come on. Uh, I don't know what booth we're in, but I'll figure that out. You'll get a newsletter about it if you're on it. Uh, but last but not least, our workshops. If you if you haven't heard about it, uh, the first deadlines are next Sunday, September twenty. Sorry, September fifteenth. That's actually the same day as the reading. Uh, Ecstasy and poetry by Emily Hunt. Funny haha humor and poetry by Laura Eve Engel, which she assures you, uh, you do not have to be funny to sign up for. She has made a public service announcement about that. Julie Hart, longtime yawper, is also teaching a workshop on the poetry of complaint. And Robert Balin, who was here last month leading our yawp workshop, his deadline is September 22nd. So there's still spots in these classes if you would like to take them. If you are a member, you get $25 off. So definitely look into that, bookandpoets.org. So ground rules for the open mic, and then I'll get the hell off this stage so uh, we can hear from our readers. Three minutes on the mic for every poet. That's one poem. If you are not someone named Grace, <laughs> Shui Lu, if you're not the feature reader tonight, you have one poem, three minutes max, right? We record the podcast. Sorry, we record the podcast. We record the Yop as a podcast called the Yopcast. Thank you all, all of you who have rated us five stars. We welcome you to uh, add a five star rating to iTunes if you could do that in the future. Uh, if you don't want to be in the recording, you just have to tell me. We can take you off the recording. It is not a problem. We also vote for poem of the month at every Yop. So uh, the number to vote for that, I will tell you, and you can wait until the end. You can just text me the name of the poet, and then you can vote. The number is. Are you ready? 718-374-1953, absolutely no one was ready. 718-374-1953, it is not the last time, I'll repeat it. 718-374-1953, please wait till the end to vote. Please also don't tell anyone not present to vote because that is just super shitty. That's really all I have to say about that. 718-374-1953. You have to be in the room to cast a vote. So the 12 winners of Poem of the Month over the course of the year face off at the end of the year in December at our December YOP for Poem of the Year Honors, which, as I was saying earlier, is something that Julia Knobloch won back when she was just uh, someone that we didn't know. And uh, now she's got a book coming out. So it's pretty, you might win this, and then you might have like a book party two years later. It's pretty awesome. 
Okay, so, uh, wow, that was a lot of talking, like, very rapidly. Uh, first, before we get to the open mic, we're going to hear from our teacher tonight. Give it up for Grace Shui Lu. actually didn't know I was going to be reading today, tonight. Um, can, can you hear me well? Okay. Oh, oh. What does Yelp stand for, Jason? Someone? Like, oh, okay. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not going to repeat that, but. Uh, my name is Grace. I wrote a book, which you can purchase tonight if you're interested. Um, if you took my workshop, thanks for coming. I'm also teaching uh, November. Um, and it's a sequence workshop, which means if you're someone who is relentlessly working on something and you can't seem to finish and your one poem bleeds into another and you're like, where does one poem start and where does the other begin? Take my workshop. Um, it will be fun. Okay. This is called An Event of a Plunge, Give Over to Your Body. Two days after we came home with a bitter pineapple, I dreamed you scooped out its black eyes one by one throughout the core. Black eyes, but where did the black eyes go? And we sucked on one sweeter end. I can't bear your sour green in my gums. Rescue me, this acrid shear me, shear me, shear heat of stricken tongue. Oh God, yesing into double eye glazed. I keep waking, keep turning over, turn over to catch your spit's arc. A heart can tube out to fit a cylinder. If a heart can lengthen, why be happy when you can be normal? <laughs> this is all practice. Anticipate a fresh-born face turned up with want. You want me caught cheating. You want me grading, asking, bent want me contemptible. You want me when I close my eyes. Everything resumes its original form. The pineapple watches from the windowsill, whole and unsliced and thrilled by this brown winter where nothing ever happens as if frozen in time. You only love me when I, dear God, help. This one doesn't have a title because I write sequences, so. <laughs> some people come and some people keep staying to map discarded locations of every breast song inside me, but I can't come an easy pleasure stone of no specific grade or a time scale ringing in my ear just like that. In our relationship of ejecting each other's solstices, sickness right out of my breath, all I could think of was the closeness of holding a sigh, not for fear of its breaking, only that sometimes gentleness is utterly optional. How above the safety of burnished touch, I just won an unwinding so thorough. Its centrifugal force cannot be located. This world where fish beneath a stream spit out bubbles closer than all these mornings we have forgotten. And with a wrench in my heart, I want to make a new documentary about the natural world, about love, about blue weekends. And I want to investigate alternative endings for us, want to find out more about the weather, about where to catch a heavy rain, about why clouds drop from the sky, about the resemblance of wonder, about what to wear on days like this, about how to walk outside to fall into the world. Thank you.
Thank you, Grace. You should definitely buy her book because I was reading that during the workshop. <laughs> and uh, it's pretty awesome. I read like five poems. So uh, you get my personal stamp of approval to make your purchase. Yes. Yes, we've both been reading it. So now you know. It's got to be good because we're never wrong, right? Uh, first person off the wait list tonight, uh, maybe a newcomer, correct me if I'm wrong, is Rachel Wolf here? And she's not even here. Rachel Wolf going twice. Wow, that was her big moment, and she just she just missed it. And now it's recorded on the podcast. Hush. She missed her <laughs> three minutes of fame. Uh, Abby, you here? Yes. All right, give it up for uh, not only a great poet, but my sometimes cat sitter, Abby Sayre. Thank you. This poem's called Patient. I always lose the beautiful things, necklaces my dead grandmother left me, the pictures children drew, the last glance in the mirror before leaving. What will the doctor say? Am I a good girl? Stop apologizing. Do you ever get angry? You really are too polite. I'm learning the signs of emotional distress, and meanwhile a body can be so time-consuming. When are you available? What should I swallow to make myself whole? They made me draw blood the other day, made me admit I was afraid, gave me new clothes to wear. What will the doctor say? You're not enjoying this, are you? What can we do to make this easier? I don't want to be here right now. No one said you had to stay. Have you heard from your insurance yet? I'm learning the loss of everything. A mind can be so consuming. Gloom or worry, regret or relief, bare grimace of fear in the mirror. I'll be with you in a moment. Thank you, Abby. Another great poem. Another public thank you to Abby for taking care of my cat. Or we have two cats, but uh, our, yeah, our cat, uh, our cat Frankie had a lot of problems this this uh, summer and fall. We were away, had like some urinary tract issues, very unpleasant. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do. I love going there. I love going into the urinary tract. How did you know? But uh, yes, it's sometimes that's why it's good to have good neighbors. I think Robert Frost said something like that. <laughs> so our next reader, uh, yeah, <laughs> urinary tracts and good neighbors. That's Robert Frost in a nutshell. <laughs> I think you should write that poem now. Uh, our next poet is well represented by this flyer, so I'll let him tell you about that. Give it up for Harvey Soth. Okay. Um, I don't know how well represented I am, but uh, apparently didn't bring enough of them. <laughs> uh, I host an open mic on the third Saturday of every month at the historic, literally historic, uh, Montauk Club uh, in Park Slope, just around the corner from the Grand Army Plaza subway stop. We usually have a couple of features. It's on Saturdays from 4 to 6. Uh, I invite you to come, read, or bring your best work. Uh, or just listen. Uh, our next uh, reading is going to be on the 21st of this month, again from 4 to 6. 
And if you, ha if you don't have one of these, I've got a few left over or, or see me afterwards. Uh, this poem is called, uh-huh, You Talking to Me, Kid. Out of the mouths of provocateurs. Out of all the Mohammeds, Muhammads, and Mohammeds taxing to a stop in New York City, you stick with the one you know, signaling your present need to an anti-De Niro, anti-hero, recently anointed driver of the month by the Taxi and Limousine Commission. Or perhaps that was some other medallion Joe at the cab stand. Some fool yellow who couldn't tell Pakistan from Neverland yet swears he can drive you to either for a price. With the pronounced care of a sommelier recommending a wine selection, a concerned citizen viewing a lineup, you go with the one whose face you most recognize from past excursions as being a tried and true driver you can trust. A peace sign on a chain some Woodstock survivor left him as a tip reassuringly looped over the rearview mirror where it hangs like midday sun over Lahore, as if to declare that this one, however you spell it, is no cab fare terrorist, or at least not anymore. You can just sit back and relax, free of the anxieties of backseat driving. Enjoy the ride to Bronx, Queens, or Brooklyn, Staten Island if you must. Mo or Moo will get you there without the customary pointing and grunting where you want to go. True, his accent often renders conversation all but impossible. Still, he is a homing pigeon sort of fellow who recalls those shortcuts you've suggested before and takes the quickest, cheapest route without drifting aimlessly out of the way as others do. Fraudsters who will steer you to the Bronx by way of Coney Island, those for whom an airport trip to JFK or LaGuardia often involves several costly circuits around Manhattan the cab you flagged down somehow having become flagship of the circle line. The miles with your guy, if not those kleptos, fly by at a not unreasonable rate. Erudite as a Geographia Ptolemy's or Rand McNally's, he captains his cab through clotted cream intersections, displaying a sixth sense for dodging potholes. If he weren't avowedly Muslim, he might be your secret Santa or a reasonable facsimile gender aside of your Grandma Helen. Every time you open his door to enter, you receive a warm spoonful of security, having nothing to do with chicken soup or a seatbelt. With the certainty, not usually found during you talking to me kid taxi rides, that the next 20 or 30 minutes of your life are in good hands. All right, thank you, Harvey. <laughs> Our next reader, I think, is a Yap debuter. I'm going to need help with your name. Is it Anchal Kapoor? Is that right? Yes. Give it up for Anchal Kapoor. pronunciation. Impressive. <laughs> so it's the first one ever, so it's for mum. 
Dusty, barren, and sterile. A still, tartan rocking chair. A telephone with the same numbers rubbed out. The unused buttons are stiff, maybe even stubborn. White beards of fluff grow around the keys. The faceless and the nameless churn and clean. Do as you're told, no questions asked. The ceiling fan grows, groans, a stubborn start. Sorry. That just deleted, apologies. <laughs> Weird. Sorry, I'm gonna have to restart on that. Whole thing deleted. Yeah, can I start again? Is that okay? Yeah. <sighs> Dusty, barren, and sterile. A still tartan rocking chair. A telephone with the same numbers rubbed out. The unused buttons are stiff. Maybe even stubborn. White beards of fluff grow around the keys. The faceless and the nameless churn and clean. Do as you're told, no questions asked. The ceiling fan groans a painful start. An impressive performance for its age. A soft circular air circulates the room. A dusty highway. Slap, slap, slap. Slow, heavy smacks of worn plastic on cold white marble. A drum roll of curt demands are made. A quick survey of the room for hygiene. An unnecessary correction is ordered for good measure. She sits, an empress. The same corner on the leather sofa. Only in that corner, the soft leather creases and breaks. Her throne sinks under her weight, grows around her, eats her, maybe is even a part of her. New magazines of popular culture look old. Stained, torn, and bent, they pile. Earmarks for the daughter unaware. Prayer beads softly jingle. Smoothened by time, they've left a corn on her finger to match. A peaceful empire. Mundane minutes are interrupted by an order for tea. Circular glances at the clock that tell a different time for her. If it's 10 a.m. now, it must be 6 a.m. in... She's, she must be sleeping now. She must be awake now. She must be at work now. Has she eaten? Has she spoken to? Has she done? Has she? Is she happy? She should do. She should say. She should. The phone rings. A thirsty hello. How are you? I'm good, Mum. I love you too. I want to thank you for... Sorry, Mum. Something's come up. I have to run. I'll call you back. Thank you, Ancha. Was that your first time reading? Congratulations. Well done. So I have to apologize. Uh, because I forgot to print out the sign-up sheets, because I'm an idiot, I totally forgot we had our first five spots, the, the open spots. So we were doing the advance. Well, it's really not that big of a deal, but uh, we're going to go backwards and, and start with the people that signed up. So uh, by the way, if you, if you want to sign up uh, for the advance list, there are like uh, there are actually only 13 spots, because uh, we hold one for the opera of the year in the 
Yeah, Poem of the Year winner. So uh, that shit fills up like in 20 minutes <laughs> these days. So after the open mic ends, uh, if you want to sign up in advance so you don't have to you know, get here early to sign up, I, I encourage you to do that. Uh, you can do it on your phone. Otherwise, we reserve five open spots uh, for the beginning, or uh, you can read on the wait list. But we don't always get to all the poets off the wait list. So that's the uh, benefit of the advance sign up. Okay, so now backtracking. Uh, we are going to hear from Bonnie Belay. Give it up for Bonnie. I wrote this poem in the Poetics of Space. Jason, is that the name of the course? Yes. Okay, in the Poetics of Space. And I got it published in Rhino, which is coming out next year. <laughs> the Bedroom in Arles. I tell my brother I want the corner bed, so he claims it, and I sleep under the window. The summer air fills me with simple expectations, swimming pools, sunshine, the window opens on, from the top. I climb up in my flower pajamas and sit with my feet dangling out, watching the moon and talking to fireflies. A man passes under the window whistling, goes around to the front and rings our bell. He tells my father I'm sitting in the window. Now the beds are in the corner of the room parallel to each other. A dresser sits between them. My father is standing over me with a belt. My mother watches from the other... My mother. my mother watches from the door. The walls in my parents are gray. I can't remember the beating. The dressers and the walls shimmer, catch fire and burn with a blue flame. The print of Van Gogh's bedroom in Arles floats above me. He's painted five versions of his bedroom. The one I remember has a red dresser. The walls hold up because my brother and I believe in walls. My brother sleeps in his bed is three years younger and never old enough to understand. For years, I woke up every morning and believed it was a new day. Damn good, Bonnie Belay, thank you. Our next reader is Rita Simmons. Give it up for Rita. Yes, thank you. This poem is for my friend Tiffany, who passed away um, after complications from an illness she contracted after 9-11. Uh, so this is for Tiffany. Tiffany, do you see how the wind whirls its wide skirt? Its dance touches everything. The freedom tower in the distance. Clouds spotting the sky like white lily pads. Seagulls sporting beneath. Lady Liberty, her copper kissed green. Everything is small below the sky that lets, that lets us glimpse what has to be. 18 years like yesterday, the twins took a bullet each and threw their steel through the air. It took so long to shake the gray dust from our arms and legs and hair and feet. Tiffany, the wind sings your name like a hushed tweet and reminds us how you died each day you lived 
An invader tugged your skin, liquidated your bones, twisted your toes. But the light in your eyes intensified as your fading fingers pointed us home. But we are not ready to go. We huddle and pray and let our words get carried away from the long-memoried pier to waves above the sea, beyond the gilded torch and the single tower built to replace what couldn't withstand the terror we can't unsee. Tiffany, the wind sings your name. You teach us to twirl through everything. Thank you. Thank you, Rita. Where did you go? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Beautiful poem for your friend. Uh, our next reader is Amber Weinstock. Give it up for Amber. Um, this one's called Let Her Shine. The more she gave in to the flow of the river, the less pain she felt, the less she felt. She rose, not from her own will, but from the currents pushing and her body's instinct, fighting, clinging, until it let her sink back. The sun hit and graced the water. It was blinding, but her eyes were already adjusted. The more she sank, the more she felt, less and less. There was something, though. Maybe peace? Yes, that must have been it. Now she knew what that felt like. How odd to find it in the most stressful situation of her life, in the last situation. Something else, very small, but very pressing, was thrashing inside her. Not fear. Something more primal. Panic. It was all in front of her, the waves, the sun, death and life, peace and panic. The whole time, that's all there was. 48, her uncle's age when he passed. Didn't seem a young age to die anymore. 21 years sounded like the right amount of time. Others wouldn't think so. The tragedy of a life cut short, a life with potential. Potential to do what? Rise and sink and panic. She had had enough. She was drowning now in the cool river, in the sun's warmth. She no longer felt herself struggling, as one drowning does. She felt herself shining. In fifth grade, she was the star, sandy in Greece. She remembers it well. The stage lights shined on her, on the child she was. A light shined too. But there, there was worry and wetness that was sweat applause at a missed failure, and it was all nothing but a performance. Here, it was just letting yourself shine in the cool river under that bright light. Without a thought of the places she'd never go, the trials she'd never suffer, she glided across the river, an instinctive thrash here and there, like a jerk of the body when dreaming. Thank you. Thank you, Amber. 
like I'm getting a workout with this mic adjustment tonight. Uh, wrist calisthenics or something. Okay, our, our next poet uh, hails from Sunset Park. He's like the one of the five poet laureates I know from Sunset Park. Give it up for Todd Friedman. See in a minute. How's that? Okay. So there's certain advertisements that can stick with you for a whole lifetime, and one that sticks with me is um, an ad you used to see all over the subway. It was a Native American eating a piece of rye bread, and the caption was, "You don't have to be Jewish to love Levy's real Jewish rye." And likewise, if you live in New York, you're going to pick up a certain Yiddish vocabulary just by being in New York. You're going to absorb it. You're going to pick up certain terms like mazel tov. You know, like if you don't have to be Jewish, you see Julia, you say, I haven't, you, you have a new book out, mazel tov. So um, likewise, um, you're going to pick up words like schlep. You, you go in a building and the elevator doesn't work and you have to schlep your suitcase all the way up the six flights of stairs. And another word you might pick up, schmuck. Everybody knows schmuck, whether you're, you're Jewish or not. You might say, how did that schmuck wind up in the White House? <laughs> so another word you might pick up is mitzvah. And that's the name of my poem, mitzvahs. And it can have two meanings. One, it can mean, as in everyday speech, a good deed, or it can also mean... Uh, in its primary definition, it's a commandment you have to follow or a Jewish law that you have to follow. So it's called mitzvahs. You Jewish? He catches me coming out of a Chinese takeout, a bag of treif in my hand. You Jewish? He asks me with that searching look in his eyes, his voice rising. Jews don't proselytize, but I know all I have to do is give the word, and we'll be off and running. I usually avoid these guys, but this time I give in. I let him make his mitzvah. In a moment, he's wrapping my left arm with the leather strap, wrapping the prayer box around my forehead. He asks me to repeat after him, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Olam. Suddenly, he's in a rush, and he motions for me to speed it up. Maybe he has other mitzvahs to do. Maybe it's because the sun will be setting soon. I feel a certain tugging, but I don't tell him. I keep it to myself. When we are done, I have an idea. I ask him if he would read a few lines in a book. I happen to have Whitman with me. Is he Jewish? The Hasid wants to know. No, I say, but he too was on a path, a spiritual seeker. Not allowed, he tells me. Nothing secular. But he does peek into the book. And then he lingers. Good stuff. We're still celebrating Walt. It's like all year, right? That was a great ending. Yeah. Do you all know it's, uh, I mean, I know some of you know, <laughs> but uh, it's the 200th uh, birthday of Walt Whitman. Yeah. <laughs> the what? It's the bicentennial on May 31st. It's already passed. You missed our celebration, but uh, there is a, a newspaper in the back where I think there's still some events happening. 
Uh, in fact, at the Rugen Book Festival, they're doing something. They ask <laughs> people always ask me, like, do you want to say something about Whitman? It's like, you get 10 minutes, I'm like, am I like the guy you always ask <laughs> to talk about? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So you'll see something at the Broken Book Festival, too, about Whitman. And you'll see that guy that dresses up as Whitman every year. Okay. Uh, Mazel Tov, Julia Knobloch. She is up next. Give a warm welcome to Julia. Please, Arthur Dunning. Yeah. Toda. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, thanks so much. Like, I... Um, I was going to read a new poem, but then I thought after this lovely introduction, I just have to read a poem from the book. And I just, I'm going to spare you guys the nostalgia and the, the deep sentiments. I'm going to save them for the Brooklyn Poets reading series on September 15th and for my book launch, but I would not be where I am without Brooklyn Poets. I will say that. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Like I wouldn't know all these people here and I wouldn't, have this community and just not the feedback that I got for writing the book. Whatever. Um, so I was like, what am I going to read? Because it's so hard to read one poem from the book because then you think I have to represent the book. So I decided on something that is, that is different than most poems in the book, but ultimately like has a lot to do with time and space, which is very much a theme of the book. And it's called Mozambique. We anchor under mangroves in darkness and wade through shallow water. We know where to go. We have been here before. The sound of bare feet on sandy paths. In the morning, a rooster. The smell of fire. Yellow arcades are a canvas for light and time. Trees grow out the windows of the hospital. Woods cover broken mosaics and line the bandshed on the promenade. The wind is steady. Purple geckos bask on sunny stones. Dow sails scintillate. The beads in the sand come from Zanzibar, the children say and laugh. We drive past moaning baobabs and rocks that have fallen from the skies by accident. It is too late to leave. Thank you. Thank you, Julia. Oh, I know, that's why I said there's like five poet laureates from Sunset Park. <laughs> Julia Knobloch, Todd Freeman, Laura E. Vangel, Gregory Crosby, and uh, Abigail Wellhouse. Those are the five that I know. <laughs> yeah, is there another one? Did you, did you say another one? Oh, yeah. I used to live there too, but I can't call myself. I've lived in Williamsburg too long. I've sold my soul to the devil. Uh, okay, we're damn proud of you, Julie. I'm excited for your reading on Sunday. And you should all be there, otherwise you're all gonna let me down, so fucking show up. <laughs> I know, I know. I have a problem. Well, we're back to the, the, the advanced list. We've made it back. We did a little detour back in time, but now we're back on schedule. So, uh, is Kyle, Bro is it Brosnahan? Yeah. Kyle Brosnahan is here. Give it up for Kyle. Hello, yeah. Hi, I'm Kyle Brosnahan. Uh, I haven't read here before, here we go. This one's called Martha. This is Martha, she is the beginning. You know what she looks like? Ah. 
<laughs> she was once beginning, but that's over. Now she's old. She is dying. Didn't you hear? She's dead. This is Maggie. Maggie's a collage of people. People say she looks like people. This is Mav. She's a person, isn't she? This is Magatha. Yes, that is her real name. Magatha hates her real name. She wishes it were Margot. This is Margot. Margot is my friend, and you can't have her. This is Madeline. She loves her name. She sings it to herself. She's happy most days, aren't you? This is Madison. She's reading a book under a sky. You heard me, a sky. This is Mackenzie. She is shy. It's all right, Mackenzie. You can come out. As you can see, she is horribly disfigured, but she doesn't mind that much, do you, Mackenzie? Do you? This is Mary Jane. She goes to church every day and believes in God very much. So everyone, please keep all the funny business to a reasonable level. This is Maisie. Maisie hates reasonable levels. She makes fun of them at dinner parties. This is Marcia. She did not consent to having a name, but there it is. This is Matilda. She is perfect. This is Maxine. She's more perfect than Matilda. This is Marlene. She's not perfect at all. This is Melody. Or is it? Wait, sorry. This is Melody. Trust me. This is Mimi. She's an imposter. This is Misty. She's studying to be an astronaut. My money's on Mars. You hear that, Misty? Mars. This is Mina. She wants to kill herself, but who doesn't these days? This is Millicent. She has never wanted to kill herself. Isn't that nice? This is Monica. She is not afraid of talking about this or that. Go ahead. Try her. Ask her about anything. Ask her about death. Ask her about God. No, wait, that's boring. Ask her about Morgan. This is Morgan. This is Moog. She is listening. This is May. May's the main character of my novel. Isn't she pretty? This is Maud. She's not pretty, and she's not the main character of anything. Poor Maud. She needs to take a shower. May, would you be a doll and help Maud find the shower? This is Melania. No, not that Melania, but close. <laughs> this is Melissa. She had an accident. She says she needs your help, but don't listen to her. She's faking it. This is Micah. She's from Europe. She knows French and German and Danish and Italian, but sadly no Greek. This is Mira. She knows so much Greek, and she just killed Micah. This is Miley. She's with the cops. Nobody move. She wants to know which one of you girls just killed Micah. She has some questions. Everyone up against the wall. It's all right. If you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. This is Mercy. She says we all have something to fear. This is May. Her biggest fear is nothing, as in the void. We all know what the void is, right? This is Meadow. She is the void, and you are filling her up. This is Marilyn. I think she's a stranger. What the fuck is a stranger doing here? Molly, get rid of her. This is Molly. She is my mother. This is my family. She is my dad. This is Matilda. Again, but this time, Matilda is our ending, aren't you, Matilda? This is Martha. She's back from the dead. Matilda wasn't cutting it, so now Martha has been kind enough to fill in. Thank you, Martha. Thank you. Seriously, Martha, that's enough. Martha, can you hear me? Martha, it's me. Remember? Me. Martha, go home. Martha, it's not funny anymore. Seriously, Martha, please. Martha, why are you doing this? This is Martha. She is always doing this. This is Martha. She never ends. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what just happened. That was, uh, that was, that was kind of phenomenal. That was your first time reading? Uh, here. Oh, okay. <laughs> so so you've ha you have some practice. <laughs> I was like, this guy just rolled out of bed and blew everyone away. Well done. Welcome to the uh, Broken Poets Yop. Come again, please. Uh, let's review, because, oh wait, I can't review, I left my sheet over there. We'll review after the next reader. <laughs> Our next reader is longtime yopper, give it up for Candy Wolf. Um, I, um, 
have had a little bit of a challenge writing for this yacht because um, September 11th is extra close to me since I was in the building that day. And I can talk about it much more than I can write about it. Um, but I do have a poem that I wrote a year after. It was on the first anniversary that I read. It's dedicated to the people that perished. And I also dedicate this poem to my mother, who helped me when I was afraid to go out after it all happened. And she took me by my hand, and she said, you can't be afraid. You've got to live life. So um, this is also from my mother, Minna. And it's called Faces. Faces. I see faces, so many faces, in my mind. Remembrances of people and their stories, of families, vacations, those smiles, those friendships. I see faces of my customers, my friends, not knowing how they are or if they survived. So many crowds of people, lines in stores, packed subway platforms, picking fruit and vegetables at the farmer's market, and so many more faces. 18 years ago, they were in front of my eyes, and now I see those faces in my memories. We must always remember to never forget as we live life. Thank you. Thank you, Candy. Beautiful poem. That was a terrible day. Uh, I'm so somber now. Thanks, Candy. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk after. I'm just kidding. Um, our next reader, I think, is a Yop debuter, maybe, uh, unless I'm wrong. Give it up for Jared Friend. Hello. I am new. It's so great to be here. There's so many of you. I've gone in front of myself. I'm a bit nervous. Uh, this is a love poem. I fucking hate love poems. Uh, but this one felt kind of cute. Uh, and it goes like this. Everyone on the train would be glad if they could get 10 more minutes of sleep, or if the baby would stop crying, or if I would have worn deodorant. <laughs> Later, I'm perched on a boulder, like the pigeon beside, and I'm watching the snapping turtles compete with the kingfisher, and they all line up to take pictures and eat pizza, and I'm imagining you floating up in miniature, like a fairy or something, equal in magic and perfectly benign, beneath the luster of mischief and a good head for fun, beckoning me to your city and of stumps and mushrooms and a duck floating by in the afternoon sunlit still on the water. You could be forgiven for thinking you're somewhere like Nebraska where the time moves more slowly, but you have not ample amounts of it to dream up a sufficient enough, a serious enough, a sweet enough, a heartfelt enough description of the way your go gentle golden glowing, your heart basks in, tranquil as underneath a desert sun. And it's true, I like the way they dress. It is, 
yes, the store is right over there. Not that I can afford it. I just like looking. A pleasant vista of a bridge curling into those trees over there, obscured by other trees and some tourists too. And I can do things they can't do. I can go to work and not be solicited a bicycle. I can ride my own. Thank you. I can sit in my memories and wave off the charm seller with one finger. It's true. I do. They make me feel bad. You wouldn't send them off. You'd probably make their friend. I think they're fake Buddhists. Yes, I think so. I know. <laughs> I have the special key to open a door to a bathroom with no line. Although the toilet is broken and continues to run, they can pay for that. They have a lot of money. They do. Sometimes they give me some in a little jar or on a heavy card. And everywhere, in every room and sidewalk, there's a jar for putting money in. Sometimes it's got dirty fingernails and a desperate disposition. Have you got some spare change for me in your coat pocket? It's too early for coats. I'm hoping not to be ch spared <laughs> the change of season because you're bringing fall with you in a coat, but I don't want the change in your pocket. I want to be your change of season. It's true, <laughs> I do. Thanks. Thank you, Jared. I like your intro. You know we have a class called the Modern Anti-Love Poem. It sounds right up your alley. <laughs> that was taught this last summer <laughs> by Vanessa Jimenez Gab. Okay, I totally forgot to review last time, so let's do that. Uh, I think we've had 12, 11 readers maybe? So that was Jared Friend. It's a great name, by the way. It sounds like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> sounds like you've said that before. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like people have said what I said before. Uh, before Jared was Candy Wolf. Before Candy was Kyle Brosnahan, uh, Anshal Kapoor. Oh, wait a second. Julia. Yeah, we went from Kyle to Julia Knobloch, Todd Friedman, Amber Weinstock, Rita Simmons, Bonnie Belay, then Anshal, Anshal Kapoor, Harvey Sauce, and Abby Sayre. Okay, we're on to the next reader, obviously. Give it up for Arthur Russell. Thank you. For, Grace, you still here? Is Grace still here? No, she Well, thanks for that reading, Grace. It was great. Class two. Hey, I don't do this often, but um, this is a new book. Uh, it's by, um, well, it's translations by, of poems by Sergei Yesenin, who is the second most famous poet in Russia after Pushkin. And he's been rarely translated into English. He lived in the same time period as uh, Pound and Eliot, died in the late 20s and the early 30s, maybe. He's equally good as Neruda and as Frank Stamford in the same sort of magical, leaping way. And this book was just came out. Oh, it didn't actually come out. This one's marked Uncorrected Proof, Not for Sale. I took it from uh, Anton Yakovlev when he <laughs> debuted this book last week. I, I believe Sergei um, Yesenin is definitely worth reading. and. Uh, Everybody should buy that book. I'm done now. The name of the book is The Last Poet of the Village, which is what he called himself. This is a poem called The Harmonica. In this poem, my mother is my mother. And the harmonica 
is the Honer chromatic harmonica she'd been saving to give me on the last night of Hanukkah. The candles in this poem are the ones that I'd arranged in the menorah on the foil-covered baking sheet on the white formica countertop in our kitchen when I was 15, so the colors went blue, white, blue, white, blue. And the flames in this poem, the yellow, black, and orange flames from those candles when I put on my yarmulke and said the prayers, flames that connect us to the distant past. The underwear in this poem is the pack of white Hanes briefs wrapped in holiday paper that my mother excused herself a moment to bring in through the dining room door as her gift to me on the fifth night of Hanukkah. The tantrum in this poem <coughs> is the fit I pitched when I saw that it was underwear, one of the first in a line of unloved fits I pitched at her from time to time through youth, adulthood, marriage, through her own widowhood until she died 45 years later. Any effort to reconstruct the logic of my fits would be embarrassing. And I'd be happy to endure the embarrassment if I could unravel the logic or get to the trigger. But all that's left in memory are the outbursts and the knowledge that whatever caused them still lives in me like a cramp. The stairs in this poem are the beige carpeted stairs to her bedroom that my mother ran up to get the harmonica, frightened, even panicked, by that young male anger. What did she think of while she ran up the stairs when my sudden hollering surprised her? Whom did she remember when the fright of it was fresh in her chest? What ancient fears were tethered to it, maybe as far back as Borough Park, the chaos of her high school years, the brutal anger of boys and men, or maybe only as far back as the crude machismo hidden under my father's calm undertone, the importuning hum that I heard coming from their room next to mine, the nights he didn't get what he wanted, and her exasperated entreaties to leave her alone escalated from a rasp to a scolding no. She ran up to get the harmonica. Standing with the others in the kitchen, I heard her open and close her dresser drawer. I saw her hand on the newel post as she came down the stairs more slowly. I could barely raise my eyes to hers as she handed me the box with Honer's portrait in an oval on the cover. The peace in this poem is the peace that subdued my anger when I held the heavy, bright harmonica in my hands, a peace as deep as morphine sleep. And for that moment, and maybe for the last time, it brought me all the way back to loving her. You, Arthur, another good one about your mother and father. 
<laughs> Arthur Russell is the poet laureate of mothers and fathers. I mean, he really. Could every, be worse. Yeah, could I be mean, worse. he could be the poet laureate of Sunset Park, but you were the. <laughs> I don't even know. That doesn't even make sense. But uh, you really, yeah. Great poems about mothers and fathers. If you want great poems about mothers and fathers, just talk to Arthur. Um, this, I found what you said interesting about it's like the second most famous poet in Russia. Like, how do we even. How do we know that? Well, how do we quantify what, that? What, what, what Anton says is that even people who've never read him uh -huh. quote him the way people quote Bob Dylan without knowing. So is Bob Dylan the most second most well, famous? Like, stop like why? Like how are you the second? I'm just like how are you the second most famous? That's that's what I'm wondering. Like why not the third most famous? We can talk about it later. I just I find it hard to believe he's actually second. Anyway, you're the you're the second most famous poet in my heart, Arthur. I'm not going to tell you who's first. Julia, of course. <laughs> Why is it? Oh, the jealousy comes out. Okay, let's move on. Otherwise, we'll be here all night. I, I don't even know what I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Our next poet is a former Poem of the Month winner this year, Yoda for Hannah Donovan. So here, here's the rule, by the way. This is my new rule. If you're on the advance list and you don't show and you don't email me, you are, you cannot be on the advance list the next month. That's the penalty. Because you know what happens when you take that spot and you don't tell me you're not coming? Some, some other person who wanted to be on the advance list and was not on it maybe doesn't come. That happens a lot, actually. So everything you do in the poetry community has consequences, people. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> that's all the poetry community is, consequences, dire consequences. Yeah. Our next reader I know is here because he's awesome. Give it up for Mike Vicentes. Thank you, Jason. Um, people are always laughing at my poetry. I really want to be taken seriously as an artist, and I've noticed that, see? <laughs> I've noticed that a lot of serious poets uh, will use like images from Greek mythology, and so I've tried to write a really serious poem here wow. using um, mythology. This is a poem from Greek myths. <clears throat> My feelings for you are the Minotaur. Not quite one thing, not quite the other, and should probably be kept locked away forever. I am Daedalus, building the labyrinth that I will keep my feelings in, or I am Daedalus and you are Icarus in how it hurts to see you fly away and hurts differently and worse when you come back in my direction. <laughs> or I am Icarus, flying to the sun, which is you, on wax wings of knowing what to say and how to say it, or that's the sun, and you the ground, and I am the wax and the melting. I am Prometheus, and my silence is the fire which I have stolen and given to mankind, which is you. Uh, and you are the eagle, and my liver that you tear out every time I see you is a vague sense of melancholy. 
I'm Odysseus, and the dive bar we went to is Ithaca. <laughs> the Titanomachy, which was a 10-year series of battles between titans and gods ending with the gods victorious, is the time that we got tacos together. <laughs> and I am Kronos, and the tacos are my children who I ate. <laughs> my feelings for you are Eurydice, uh, and I am Hades, holding them close to me under the surface, or I am Orpheus, and when I look at them, they vanish. Or if I am Hades, then you are Persephone. And how I want to feed you a pomegranate is how I want to feed you a pomegranate. Thank you. I told you Mike was awesome. That was great. It's hard uh, to make Greek myths seem fresh again, but uh, I don't think I've heard anyone do that before. Like this god or whoever is this. Boy, I'm making that poem sound terrible now, but it was, it was, really, it was really fantastic. Uh, is Jordan E. Franklin here? So Jordan E. Franklin is a recent Brooklyn Poets Fellowship finalist. So let's give Jordan a big round of applause. Hi, um, um, thank you. I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, and this poem is called Sometime in January. the subway's keens rumble unbroken in cement, you will find sweetbreads, the curry of goats. Use every inch of the meat and eat them greens. The art of eating like reading and speaking didactic as kid after kid is pushed out of school. Electric running, humming through everything, puff adder fluorescence and everything glows, or at least begs to glow and ponga la luz, mom hisses. The vigils with rattling cups sometimes. This city has so many languages, schizophrenic she is. Your neighborhood's like a little Caribbean except of less sun and juice ain't a buck no more. Not like in my day. In my day, the can was law. Keep from the ledge they drive for blood on the streets. Some limp for green, a house of blankets and cardboards holding doors and banks closed. And don't miss the bus, not even the one with every kid and their mama bursting through the doors. Newborn kittens run through yards and under cars. And you know the old wives tale where they steal your breaths as you sleep? Generations fearing feline. Our post office is the reason folks hate the government sometimes. Yo, hurry your ass up. Never booked quest or spotted the star man. Remember every face. Remember the thousand yard stare takes commuters sometimes and salmon fillets to butter and bake and take that shop out of here. Organic now. Hell no! Beef patty and cocoa bread. Universal dialect of your youth from Christie's to Junction. Womb to tomb. No offense to vegetables. 
you respect theirs, they respect yours, and newcomers know nothing about where they now call home. Wait for the condos and to scatter like roaches when the raid like rent hikes, and there'll be nowhere left in Brooklyn, your birthplace, your only home. How much xenon do their phones spit when they take selfies? And who put a Panda Express there? Someone wants you dead, retching the natural colors in your intestines and denial of birthrights, a new fad, you know. You, Brooklyn born before the trend and too young to know how blue ruled this place and Ziggy played guitar. And after you stopped singing in your sleep, you woke to find him gone. Thank you. Oh, man, it's going to be tough to vote tonight. <laughs> that was amazing. So you just made, I think that was my favorite moment of 2019. Who put that Panda Express there? <laughs> Oh my God, I feel like I've realized I'm often thinking that myself in, in my unconscious. I have one of those in my neighborhood. I, every time I'm just like, what the fuck is that doing there? Panda Express, who calls something Panda Express anyway? I feel like it's probably a vaguely Asian racist thing too. <sighs> okay, um, our next poet, a uh, good friend of mine, here from Detroit, just to read here. It's not actually true, but sounds better. And she has a brand new chapbook out. It's also for sale back there. If you want to buy it from her, she'd be glad to sign it for you. Give it up for Christina Callery. Thank you. This is going to be a tough act to follow. That was amazing. So this is, um, can you hear me? Yeah, I, I got it. Okay, got it all wrong. <laughs> exactly. Um, so this is an ode to uh, Craigslist misconnections, which I've been a fan of for years. I feel like you're really getting a glimpse at this naked human longing whenever you you know peruse them in all of its disgusting, drunken, and occasionally tender glory. Um, and because I'm from Detroit, these are all locally sourced from the Detroit area, so they're actual misconnections. And I'm just going to start out with one um, from Anonymous in Trenton, Michigan, who says, I look on here daily, hoping someone noticed me enough to post an ad about it. To the garbage man in the orange truck who chatted up a lady by the Hollywood tan, would you guess she'd love another chance to watch you hoist those overflowing cans? And bashful guy from the drugstore line, eyeing the pharmacist so cute it stirred in you the first bright thrum of happiness in months. How you waited to meet her gaze as she counted your antidepressants pill by pill into their amber jar. And you, Billy the Cable Tech, 
With a gentle side and cool blue eyes, you'd even fix that girl's computer desk, which you didn't have to do. Oh, single mom who bought a snake from the reptile empor emporium, you so mesmerized the assistant manager, the extra mice came free. <laughs> to Deb from the dollar store in Pontiac, would it shock someone among that throng who purchased sad-eyed ceramic dogs to read that not a lone day fades when you don't dream his face? Oh, 38-year-old male from Waterford, who likened your love to a dumpster on fire. The odds of the one you crave discovering this amount to nearly zero. Yet even you are no less lucky than all us dingbat romantics the world over. Our hearts electric with longing to touch the impossible, the way lightning rips its jagged course across the sky. Thank you. Locally sourced from Detroit. I love it. Craigslist. Does that still exist? Craigslist misconnections? Wow. Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Raise your hand if you've posted on misconnections. Maybe that would defeat the whole purpose of Maybe one of you <laughs> wrote about each other, would, or I guess two of you, it would have to be. Anyway, uh, thank you, Christina. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, our next reader, which I memorized. I, I did that this time. I memorized the next name. It's amazing what the mind can do. Give it up for Kim Brandon. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, everybody. Um, this poem is dedicated to Toni Morrison, and it's based on a character in the book Beloved, and it is Baby Shugs, and she was someone who gathered the enslaved people together for Sunday services. There was the before, and now there's only this, this right here. I was somebody, somebody once, Always, before I know it, a feeling come on me so strong, like they're going to call me by my true name, and I'm going to whip around, and I'm going to remember, remember them, remembering me, remember a place, remember a time, remember a smell, a full stomach, a soft mat on the floor. I'm going to remember all that came in the before, before being stolen, before being ripped apart, left for dead. So when Baby Shug says, for us women to weep, I was already weeping, low like, deeper than all that wailing. But this morning, this morning, I wish somehow that she says, for us women to laugh, laugh loud, Laugh until my belly shook like blueberry jam. Cause I got me this feeling, see? I got me this feeling that laughing might sound like my name. And if I heard my name, I would remember, remember the before, 
who I belong to, once when I belong to a mama or somebody special, somebody, anybody, and I was somebody, someone special in the before. Thank you. Damn, you're all singing tonight. It's beautiful. That was great. Um, I don't know who the hell you're going to vote for, but uh, you're going to have to make that hard choice <laughs> eventually. Uh, we are just, we have, a, we have time for a few readers. Uh, the next reader is one of our co-winners of Yacht Poem of the Year, Poem of the Year last year. Give it up for Laura Murphy. Nice to be here. Um, this is my poem, Dancing with a Circadian God. Plowing over dunes, we haul folding chairs up the northern coast. Why, my once mighty parents complain, do you have to go so far? I take a pebble from the beach and worry it between my fingers, a kind of worship. How wondrous it is, this earth, and how all my body sings its song in me. A child runs behind piping plovers, scattering. Glinting like a trophy, I emerge from the evening tide and touch a scar on my thigh where a squamous cell had begun to multiply. An old man staggers across the pitted sand just to lean on his cane, on his cane and watch a surfer ride the waves. I yearn to be away from the raucous family flailing on the beach. The bees are in a frenzy. I only began to love my body the moment it began to fade. That's <laughs> funny. I looked up right at the end, that, that great ending, and I, I feel like five other people, we all did the same thing, like, oh, <laughs> at the same time. Uh, that's how you know you're at a poetry reading. So we're uh, almost on the wait list, but before the wait list, uh, the, one of the other spots that we hold is for the Yawper of the Year from last year, and you all know him if you've been here before. Give it up for Bill Livingston. Yes, I'm here. Jason's backup. Whenever his wife wants to go to Brazil again. <laughs> or wherever she'd like to go, take her somewhere. <laughs> it's called Spikes. Spikes by the garbage cans. Tell 911 you feel threatened or the cops won't come. Spikes on the doorstep. He bathes with the alcohol swabs from his clean needle kit. Spikes under the abandoned stroller. The yelling in the neighborhood is getting louder. Spikes in the flower boxes with puzzled squirrels. The dealer is a single father to an eight-year-old boy, thus the dilemma. Spikes in that pizza box I was about to recycle. Foliage gives them enough cover in the day. Street lamps, enough light at night. Spikes in a thousand veins per minute. It's the potpourri of de desperate escapee shit and the lavender of well-to-do brownstones, minus the romance of a rock star pissing himself. 
spikes in the construction zone of a new ivory tower. The precinct says come to the community meeting last Tuesday of every month. That's all they can do. Spikes swooping the air, threatening innocence, possibly weaponized with AIDS. Oh, to have the focus and dedication that they possess to any one thing. Spike in the neck of the one-legged woman with the black flag tattoo. I gave her two dollars the other day, said it was for food. This shit has all of us fooled. Spikes in the stairwell to a lovely garden apartment on open house day. Neighbor saves an overdosed life with Naxalone. How many poems contain the word Naxalone? Spikes in the traffic barrier which should be labeled sharps. My dog blissfully oblivious to the dangers of this obstacle course, always searching for a bone to choke on. Spikes on my mind, spikes in my brain, spikes in my dreams. Clean spikes just around the corner, spiking the disease with no end in sight. Thank you. Thank you. What was that word? Naxalone? Maxalone? Oh, yeah? I don't know that word. Oh, you learn something new. That probably is a good thing. <laughs> yes. I believe in moderation. We're on to the wait list. I think we have time for maybe three readers. Uh, the first reader, we save, we <laughs> sounds like we save a lot of spots. We really don't. But uh, we save a spot at the top of the wait list for our event staff. She's not only the events manager, she's also a great poet. Give it up for Joe Cipriano. Hi. Um, I also took care of Jason's cats while he was gone, but I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so that's fine. Um, I'm going to read a poem that I wrote on the train again because that's what I do. This is dedicated now to Julia because she was going to go to the bathroom and she's waiting for me. Um, <laughs> great. That's all it takes. Yeah, and also I work here and I feel like you should know that I care about poetry, so here we go. I'm not good, but I care about it. Um, it's called To Do List. To Do List. Gather flowers. Marvel at the way the colors bubble and bleed in the shifting, how they still unwind the light well after their legs are slashed beneath them. Hold their bodies, tender, cool against your wrists. It's working, I feel it, it's beating, it's working. Affirm aloud that your pulse is still, that life is still swelling up and out from everywhere. Promise to remind her of that. Promise to remind her of abundance and shifting and blooming. Tuck the flowers into vases. Da drive 40 minutes to the coffee shop she loves. Sit in the corner, stare at the table where you first realized. Wait, wait. Become a tumor obscuring the wall, an accident. A statue sucking the life from its own marble, crumble. When she calls after four hours to say she's not feeling well and she won't make it, don't cry in front of her neighbors. <clears throat> Finish your coffee. Wait until you're back in your car. Reply that you understand. Tell yourself that you understand. 
whisper that you understand until you've woven a life raft with your lying. Think about the lilies, how they still unwind the light well after their legs are slashed beneath them. Paddle yourself home one first breath at a time. Cut the lights, let your eyes adjust. Imagine there are four walls somewhere floating. You know there's no floor. Start to imagine your way out. Do not give this a shape. If you give this a shape, it will leave you. Think about the flowers. Unwind from there. Thank you. Damn. Damn. Uh, Joe started as a, she was my student in Broken Poets, then she became an intern. Now she's an events manager and sometimes cat sitter for me and as you can see, a fabulous poet. Uh, by the way, we are looking for more interns, so uh, if you're interested, email me <laughs> or talk to me and uh, you might become Joe one day, which means you'll be cat sitting for me probably. Uh, time for two more readers. Uh, this next reader is also a former winner of Yacht Poem of the Year, so uh, her reputation precedes her. Give it up for Shara Hardison. Hi, everybody. This is a poem that I workshopped on the, at the Hamptons retreat with Angel Mathis. It's called Wilds. I was a child of dried leaves and swamp meadows, wild as yellow morals in a rotting elm stump, child of dark river currents and rain clouds, young and graceless too, all stinging from the horseflies and berry bugs. The wide green world is flat when it is flat, round when it is round and full of lush terrors a bigness I tried to live inside without getting too lost, boasted of my worthiness to walk amid the flowers, clawing at the trees, swelling marked me full to bursting with a light and taste for all things. I did not know then how swiftly I would grow out of that fogless knowledge and into this dull sleep I cannot seem to shake. This world's truest form for all its buzzing looms someplace else now, not far away on the other side of a veil too heavy to cast off. Somewhere in front of me, I can almost see the shape, aching to reach out and tremble like a bell at the touch of it. Thank you. Yeah, this feels like a all-star game or something. Every, every poet is just fucking killing it right now. Uh, Hampton's retreat is great. You can come to that next June. Uh, a little preview, we are doing a new retreat in the fall called the Hudson Valley Retreat. We're going to do it at the Garrison Institute on the Hudson River. That's going to be the first weekend of December. And it's going to be pretty fucking cheap, you know, uh, all things considered. I mean, not like $10 or anything, but it's going to be, they have a great pricing system, so Telling you now, save your pennies or your dollars. You will need some of them, but uh, yeah. And we will have fellowships for that as well. So you might go there for free if you're you know, so inclined to apply. Our last reader of the night, give it up for Kayla Schwab. 
Yes. Um, so this is the second month in a row that I've gone on the wait list and the second month in a row that I'm going last. So I feel very lucky um, and nervous. Um, this poem I recently workshopped with Sweet Action. So shout out to that group. Um, I'm excited about it. It's called Reclaiming Winter. I feared the cold, the first touch of snow, its pervasive sting melting down my skin, still tender with memories. I buried mine beneath tree bark, swollen with rain and wind-broken twigs. You buried yours somewhere far, far away. We spent our time building our separate shelters, preparing for another fatal season. The shiver of trees muffled by clouds like screams in a pillow. One night, our clothing fell to the ground like snowflakes, our private storm. You took the first step, breaking into sheets of white, and I followed, fitting my feet into your footprints, eyes burning in the blank horizon, searching for you, the cool breeze of your whisper, reclaiming winter, embracing the storm. Thank you. Okay, so I guess if you want to read, you should hang out with Kayla. She's got the, <laughs> she's got the magic touch for the wait list. Um, Sorry, we have so many readers on the waitlist tonight. It, it, it literally hurts my heart that you can't all read tonight. Well, maybe not literally. That's ridiculous. But uh, it's <laughs> figur it figuratively hurts my heart. Uh, but uh, I encourage you to sign up now. You can literally, pu you can literally pull out your phone and sign up now, uh, which is when the uh, clock for the next um, sign-up starts. Uh, let's review... It was an amazing open mic. It's going to be very hard to vote. Again, my number to vote for Poem of the Month is 718-374-1953. I'm already getting votes from all the people that know me. That's so cool that you have, like, you know me already. It's so nice. 718-374-1953. So uh, I'm going to go from, I guess, the end and work my way backwards. So that was Kayla Schwab, who you just heard, Shara Hardison, Joe Cipriano, who sometimes goes by Josephine Blair, but don't get confused. <laughs> Bill Livingston, Laura Murphy, Kim Brandon, Christina Callery, Jordan E. Franklin, Mike Fresentes, Arthur Russell, Jared Friend, Candy Wolf, Kyle Brosnahan, sorry, Brosnahan, Julia Knobloch, Todd Friedman, Amber Weinstock, Rita Simmons, Bonnie Belay, and Anjal Kapoor, Harvey Sauce, and Abby Sayre was the very first reader that we had. My my cat sitter. Are you are you wondering about the order? Did you, did you mention Jared Friend? Did I? Yeah. I did, right? Yeah, Jared Friend and Candy Wolf. Jared Friend. Seven one eight three seven four one nine five three. By the way, if you read tonight and and you're not subscribed to our newsletter and you didn't sign up on online, like you make sure that I have your email because if you won, <laughs> there's no way I can contact you if I don't have your email. Uh, we usually tell out the votes for the next couple of days, and then we announce it on uh, social media. You'll see it on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. 718-374-1953. Remember the first workshop deadlines this Sunday. This Sunday is a very big day. We have the workshop deadlines. We have Julie Knobloch reading along with Lee Herrick and uh, EJ Evans at BASIC. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have drinks. We're going to have barbecue. 
Oh, I didn't even mention, after the reading, did I mention that? They have, they have their Sunday night jazz? I think I did mention that. No, Maybe I didn't. Every Sunday night, they have like a Sunday night jazz. Every Sunday night, they have a Sunday night thing. Every Sunday night, they have a jazz jam session. It's awesome. So starting at 7, there will be jazz. Yeah, I just did. Yeah. And now you're making me paranoid. Yeah. And I definitely mentioned the barbecue. Uh, buy books. Christina has some books back there. She'll definitely sign them for you. Uh, and Grace, who had to leave, also left some books here. If you want to buy them, we can uh, obviously give her the cash. Uh, and uh, talk to Joe. She'll sell you some T-shirts. Thank you for coming. Next month, what's the second Monday of October? The 14th, Patricia Spears-Jones, the one and only, will be here to lead the workshop and uh, kick off the open mic. Thank you for coming. And uh, be well. Go forth and sing and prosper. So, there you have it. The Brooklyn Poets Yop Open Mic for September 9th, 2019. Thanks to new Brooklyn Poets Professor Grace Shui Lu for leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. Grace is teaching a really exciting workshop for us coming up this fall that I have a particular personal interest in on the poetic sequence know me, you know my work, you know I am all about this. So uh, definitely sign up for this workshop. It begins November 3rd, runs to December 1st on Sundays, 2 to 5 p.m. in Prospect Heights. The registration deadline is set, sorry, not September, Sunday, October 27th, 2019. Members take $25 off. You can find out more info at brooklynpoets.org, where incidentally you can also sign up for the Brooklyn Poets Yop in October. Congrats to Yop debuter Kyle Brosnahan for winning September Yop Poem of the Month for his really uh, just spellbinding poem, Martha, one of the most original poems we have ever heard at the Yop. And uh, if you know me, I do not exaggerate when I talk about, well, maybe I do exaggerate a little, but uh, this was really something, this, this poem. Um, I think you can tell just by the audience reaction. Kyle has earned free admission to a future Yop and a spot in our Poem of the Year Smackdown coming your way on December 9th. It's only three months away. I mean, it's amazing how much uh, time has passed, how quickly time flies uh, when you're having fun and also when you were getting old. Uh, our next Yop comes your way in just a couple of weeks, October 14th. That's the second Monday, as usual. As usual. What the, how did I say usual there? As usual. Uh, longtime BKP professor and Brooklyn legend Patricia Spears Jones will be in the house leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. Patricia is leading a workshop for us this fall called Girders and Cables. It's a uh, re-up. She has taught this workshop before. It is on what holds a poem together. So she will be uh, teaching a workshop on poetry and New York City architecture that night. So promises to be a good one. I don't think any professor we've had has taught a YAWP workshop on that particular theme yet in the uh, now going on five years of the Brooklyn Policy Op, six years? Like, I, I don't even know. It's 2019, getting old. Sorry for me to remember these things. 
Uh, thanks to all of you who are rating us on iTunes. We are up to 28 five-star reviews. We would love to make that 30 before the end of the year. Keep them coming. Definitely helps people find our podcast uh, and definitely gets the, the poems of the people of Brooklyn and the other boroughs and visiting poets like Christina, who came from Detroit, uh, out into the world, gets those poems heard and gets those poets of love, which, of course, is the important thing. If you like what you heard, go to iTunes, rate us five stars, subscribe to us, uh, tell people about us, and more importantly, go to brokenpoets.org, sign up for the op, come out, because the most important thing is just to come to our events and uh, meet us and let us see you and uh, hear your work. We would love to hear your work. So uh, that is all. Thank you for listening once again, and uh, we will see you on October 14th, I'm sure. Good night. Good night.